Hi, everybody. This is Jim Laskowski with Directors Club. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say really quickly that this particular bonus episode will be uh, available in the regular feed, as you're probably aware right now if you are a subscriber. Uh, but future commentary tracks will be available only at patreon.com slash directors club. So go over there, join the family, uh, and there's going to be some good stuff in the future. I'm planning to do music video commentaries uh, and hopefully monthly movie commentaries like the one you're about to hear. Uh, so this is a very exciting endeavor that I hope will continue uh, in addition to the regular episodes and uh, hopefully getting a lot of help from guests and friends along the way. So thank you so much for listening to this and supporting the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, and now, without further ado, here is the commentary track for The Last Starfighter. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League and its leader, Enderon, to defend the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Level 8, Starfighter. Look it, there's a Santa's hand Changing from a friendly man Look, there's more, they're changing back Watch out for a sneak attack 50% life support, Starfighter 75% firepower remaining Oh, Alex, no, Alex Watch out below, Alex Oh, what a schmo, Alex Grab up and go Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special bonus commentary episode of Director's Club. I'm your host, Jim Laskowski, and joining me today is a great returning guest who enjoys waxing nostalgia about 80s and 90s cinema just as much as I do. Welcome back, the host of Movie Madness, Mr. Eric Childress. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Eric. It's so good to talk with you. Uh... You know, we need to get our minds off of what's going on in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. In fact, we can travel to a whole other galaxy. You know, why not? Let's 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 have some fun with this because I have a, this movie has a very special place in my heart, and we'll get into exactly why. I'm not going to have like a rambly intro here. Uh, I want to save the bulk of our conversation. For the actual film as it plays. Um, I made sure to jot down some notes during a rewatch. And of course, we're both here to highly recommend the recent Arrow Blu-ray release of The Last Starfighter. Uh, it's a great package, great disc. Uh, and before we begin, you know, I know some people can listen to these and just be, you know, just listen to the conversation. They don't always watch along, but for those who do want to watch along with the film, uh, please get ready because we need you to arm your DVD or Blu-ray or your streaming service so you can get all synced up. So cue it up to where you see the Lorimar logo spelled out. So it'll go L-O-R-I-M-A-R -R and then hit pause Right there, the second you see the rights reserved logo on the bottom near the uh, R at the end there. So hit pause. Go ahead and do that right now. Okay, and now that you're all queued up, uh, you're ready to join us on an adventure 
to defend the, f- the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Eric, are you ready to hit play? <clears throat> I am ready to hit play. Okay, so I'll say three, two, one, play, and you, me, and the audience will be all synced up, ready to go. Hold on, my computer just went. froze for a second. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Okay, and now you just see Lorimar Presents. Uh, that's not a studio that's really around that much anymore, is it? At all? No, not not really. No, Lorimar was uh, definitely a product of uh, that that era. Yeah, um, and so. people are looking at this. People look at the screen right now. That is not Earth. <laughs> uh, that that is not supposed to be Earth. Um, one of the things at the beginning of this movie, they it was one of those movies where they wanted to dissolve the Universal logo into uh the, that planet there yeah but uh universal didn't like the idea of it not being earth so it didn't happen that way um what you know watching this this opening here it makes me think of all the stuff that they talk about in jordorowski's dune and all the ideas oh. that he had for uh the way that he wanted to present all the different planets mm-hmm. in the movie and in that documentary uh about his uh failed attempt uh to 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 make a movie out of frank herbert's dune uh they actually they reference contact i can't remember if they referenced ah. last star this last starfighter but that whole opening sequence and contact is something that's actually in that giant notebook uh jodorowsky's uh giant binder if you will uh but this is has a very similar thing you're absolutely it. right it, it's going through all the planets and mm-hmm eventually leading us back to earth and that opening the contact when i first saw that in the theater (laughs) i i i just knew i was going to love the movie based on the opening credits alone i just thought it was well especially because he well because he found also room for huey lewis uh, playing on the radio that that (laughs) that shows up at the beginning of contact so but uh this is the 13 years before contact uh this is another sci-fi film from the 1980s uh a movie that i struggled to see when oh, it really? first came out hmm. uh, yeah the, the the story behind me seeing this is just kind of infamous in my own movie going memory because it, it was like the movie that didn't want me to see it <laughs> for some reason um because i remember you know we're uh, you're broadcasting from uh chicago the suburbs of chicago at least i am and at the Woodfield one and two theaters, the big giant Woodfield the- uh, theater that you could see from uh, the expressway is right over there by the Woodfield mall. Uh, they had a poster of the last starfighter and it, it was the, the classic poster of Lance guests standing there looking up at the stars with, you know, holding the helmet. And there was a, I think there was a dog and everything. Uh, and, you know, it was one of those classic posters that kind of puts the plot on the, it didn't really have a tagline. It had a, the, the basically the plot for the story on the poster. And I'm just like, this looks like the coolest movie possibly ever. And But it didn't end up playing at the Woodfield Theater. Huh. It was one of those bait-and-switch things. Uh, so it ended up playing at the Barrington Theater, which at the time... Um, well, actually, I mean, when we're, we eventually went to see it, yeah, it was at the Barrington Theater. I, I can't remember it being a second-run theater or not at the time. 
uh, because well, we were definitely going to see it in the summer, so it must have been at least. Uh, I think it was a cheapen theater, but it wasn't like a dollar fifty uh, kind of thing. Uh, and we, so a friend of mine and his mom took us to see the Last Starfighter, and it was sold out. Oh, sold out. Yeah, and uh, and then we were just like, well, we could go see Conan the Destroyer, but. <laughs> That was uh, that 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 time didn't sync up to where we were. It had already started, so we weren't going to wait around. So we ended up just getting ice cream. So the next week, we tried it again, hmm. and we went to go see the last Starfighter, and it was sold out again. Uh, but that day, uh, we ended up going. Well, we don't want to leave and not see a movie again, so we ended up seeing a little movie called Top Secret. Yay! So that was <laughs> that was quite the experience. So. Yeah, so the movie this that wasn't didn't... a huge hit upon its release. So was that the only theater it was playing it? it? Locally, at least in my area, that mm-hmm. was... I mean, because there was the Woodfield 1 and 2, and then there was also the, the, the 3 and 4. So there were four Woodfield theaters, which are sort of the primary theaters in my area. Uh, there was also the Century 1, 2, 3 in uh, Rolling Meadows, or oh, yeah. Hoffman and Snaith's, actually. And uh, and then there's the Barrington Theater, which is a little you know you go to you know for a kid going to Barrington Road where I live seemed very far. It wasn't really that far, but uh, you know traveling all the way out there to, to you know to specifically to see this movie and sold out twice. And so I didn't get to see it until it came to uh, VHS. And I I'll be damned if uh, I didn't love it the way I hoped I would. Yep, and. I didn't see it in the theater. I know this was the same year as Ghostbusters, which I did see in the theater uh, Mm -hmm. and absolutely loved that, of course. But I know when this came out on VHS and I saw for the first time with my dad, uh, very similar vibes and mutual love went into the last Starfighter that we had later on when we saw Back to the Future. And it's mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, I, I've kind of gone on record as saying that this was my Star Wars because I hadn't seen hmm. Star Wars first. Oh. I saw this first and then went back and watched Star Wars. I don't know what took me so long <laughs> to see freaking Star Wars, to be honest, but... Nick, Nick Castle would have been very happy to hear you say that, uh, just considering how much they were trying to stay away from Star Wars when they were making this movie, just try to you know make as many left or right turns as they possibly could, so those types of comparisons didn't go in. This actor, by the way, is, uh, is an actor <laughs> named Peter Nelson. Um, I just I, I wanted to bring him up, the the, the scumbag <laughs> preppy guy that uh, is in charge of all the this Friday the Thirteenth crew that would actually absolutely get killed if they all went to Crystal Lake <laughs> right now. Like everyone except like Maggie would would die here, um, or maybe Maggie would die. I don't know, but but everyone else in this truck would die if they went to Crystal Lake, and that's I think that's exactly the 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 purpose of of, of who these people are. Um, Silver Lake too but, sounds very close yeah, to Crystal Silver Lake. Lake. E- exactly. I think there's there's a lot of things like that uh, in the movie, and you know when you consider, I mean, the, the Star Wars comparison. I mean, you want to talk about like the way screenplays and ideas just formulate in people's heads. I mean, I remember as a as a kid when I would see movies like Star Wars and Flash Gordon, for example, and would then start writing down my own ideas. They would they all typically be 
pretty much related to Star Wars and Flash Gordon, uh, <laughs> which have their have their own links and whatnot. So when you think about this movie, you know, it's about a kid that had or, or a teenager uh, who has to do all these chores around not a farm, but a trailer house. Uh, and he really wants to be doing something much better, but he can't because he's got to do his chores and other people's chores. Um, and it's you know it's not the last season before the harvest, but he uh, then eventually you know becomes a, a, a you know a star starfighter pilot. And so you start with the sort of the germs of a, a Luke Skywalker slash starfighter story, and then you have to find ways to take it into unique directions so it doesn't just become well, we took the idea from Star Wars and now we just made our own version of it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought it was kind of derivative at the time, like saying, oh, it's just Tron meets Star Wars and kind of dismissing it, really. Uh, I think Siskel yeah. liked it, though. I, I remember Ebert just kind of being meh on it, but Siskel did like it. Gene Siskel did like it, actually, quite very much. Uh, if you go back and you, and you watch that, particular show which you can find uh on on youtube uh that that particular episode from july of 1984 they reviewed not just last starfighter but also the never-ending story Mm. and uh and electric dreams so (laughs) it was just i mean it was a weird kind of you know all those movies coming out you know fantasy and technology and all kinds of things like that and they uh ebert liked never-ending story siskel did not and then when they did Last Starfighter next, the, the reviews revert, reversed. Yeah. And Siskel very much liked Last Starfighter. His review is actually quite glowing oh, okay. when you listen to him. Uh, and Ebert didn't he say? And he says this. He, I, I didn't hate the movie. I just thought that he. You're right. He he felt that there was uh, the Star Wars uh, was a little derivative. I think he mentioned mentions Tron at one point. Um, and we could talk about all the other video game influenced movies from the 1980s. Um, or movies that used video games basically as an influence. Yeah, but the screenwriter was inspired by, like, uh, like he was working as a copywriter, and, and he basically on his lunch break walked over to an arcade and just saw how passionate some of these gamers were playing these games. And I think it was around the same time he was reading, uh, like, the Sword in the Stone kind of story, like that arc mm-hmm. of... Basically, what if a video game could be the sword in the stone and, you know, created this arc for this character? And I think it, it really works when you just do that. And you certainly can point to, you know, some of the, uh, like, Joseph Campbell mythology kind of like, okay, he's a reluctant hero of course. that eventually evolves and becomes the hero, so... I think that I, I think Lance Guest is really great in this movie because he doesn't play like a typical. Even you could even look at like Matthew Broderick in War Games. He's kind of playing a typical computer nerd, but he Lance Guest is just like this relatable guy who you know is okay with responsibility and helping out you know his mom and the family and everybody around the trailer park, but he's still wants to be his own person and he still wants to get away from this trailer park and you know go to hopefully a better college or do more with his life as he says early on yeah and he plays it with a sort of in, in a little aura of resentment too i mean yeah. he, i don't know if he, he he knows he wants to go to college but we don't really know much beyond 
that for the character. So, you know, we see him, you know, this is, I mean, you know, to, to me, you know, this is something we, we can expand upon throughout the movie. But, you know, when people talk about, you know, escapist entertainment, uh, which, you know, this certainly fits into this entire movie is about escapism, period. I mean, mm. this, I mean, this movie is about this guy that is weighed down by his existence, the, the you know, the life that, you know, he's been born into or, or, or at least have settled into this trailer home. And he's a decent enough guy. He helps out all the people. Uh, you know, he's not a jerk to them, but, you know, he would like to be doing more than helping people install antennas and fixing their cable and, and stuff like that. So he'd like to be doing more and he wants to take his best girl with him. Uh, but his only solace like for many of us is, is one specific thing, you know, for many of us, it was movies for him. It's the only thing available to him, which is this video game. Yeah. I think um, that's why it's very relatable. We have to talk about the scene by the way, because this is, I mean, this is, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a, it's a hero scene. That's also kind of wonderfully corny and ridiculous. Uh, you know, especially if you're a gamer at, at, at any point. And I don't know, did you miss the, the, uh, the oh, there's Zaxxon. Uh, my most hated video game, Zaxxon. Oh yeah, the, I okay. I hate I couldn't yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. get past the three D. Uh, it's the only game I like. I I've tried it so many times and I hated it. I, I hate that garbage game. Um, but uh, you know this is you know <laughs> if you've missed the sort of the gamer craze of the time, you know the, you know he keeps saying he's gonna bust the record, you know, and <laughs> you know you you think it's gonna be like a million points, but clearly he's going way over that. Uh, one. It's 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 strange that the entire you know trailer home park would be woken up that this kid's gonna bust a record on a video game. That's why I love. So that I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's again it's, it's sort of wonderfully corny, and they're all rooting him on, and like he's about to win the Super Bowl for God's sakes, and uh, <laughs> uh, and at the same time, it makes me think, uh, it, you know, because there is now some inklings of a sequel, and mm. it makes me wonder. Who had the record before him? That's a good question. Did that person uh, get recruited? I mean, it doesn't seem that way because Centauri, it's the, he seems to be the first guy. Who had who had the record that was high enough? Or are they just confusing the idea of breaking the record with finishing the game? Because those are yeah. two different, very different things. Because clearly he finishes the game right here. Right. and then But then it says record breaker. We're going to see record breaker. There's a getting your, yeah. Were all the I always, other... wait, I always wait for him to get Granny's Granny's high five in there. There <laughs> it is, yeah. So were all the other starfighters that we get to see later gathered together? Did they all play the video game? <laughs> and yeah, well, that's record? a yeah. That, well, that's a question because I don't think clearly I don't think Centauri recruited all of them. Uh, and in fact, you know, to go back to the the sword and the stone point you know what they uh when they're asking when they get to you know to, to rylos they're they ask him you know he's uh you're up to your old excalibur tricks again hey centauri <laughs> and he says i didn't use the excalibur test it was called a video game ah. so the, the the excalibur you know the the remnants of the sword and the stone idea still sort of remained a little bit in the, in the screenplay uh and makes me wonder what the excalibur test was you know is it just clear reference to uh, you know arthurian legend or is it just uh is there some other test out there that recruited 
uh, all these other aliens out there. Because I would like to see footage <laughs> of like all the aliens trying to figure out what this video game thing is on their planet. Uh, and if any of them are you know playing Pac-Man or Galaga or anything. Well, yeah, all these questions you're bringing up. Honestly, if there was a Starfighter convention and comic books and toys <laughs> and all... Like how you and Colin are about Star Wars is exactly how I would be if this had been a runaway hit and mm-hmm. spawned sequels and prequels and everything about it because I just love everything about it. There's not like people can point out there's flaws and there's corniness and things like that. But to me, and again, I am looking through a nostalgic lens because again, you know what it's like to have a connection with watching a movie over and over with your dad. Uh, and just like, you know, on the same wavelength the whole time and just like enjoying it every single time you watch it together. Uh, but I just think it's, you know, again, maybe it is just because of the whole, uh, also the beta unit stuff, which we'll get to. I just think mm-hmm. that's a joy. It throws a little Starman kind of feel yeah. into the film. Uh, so it's, yeah, I just like everything about this movie to where, yeah, when I, I met Catherine Mary Stewart, I think she was at a flashback convention i believe she believe she was yes yeah and i i told her that i told her like this is this is my star wars so thank you for being in it <laughs> yeah well i'm you sure know? she appreciated that of course and she signed an autograph and said i love you alex rogan on it which was very uh, nice is that that's how she signed it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she loves she loves that line yeah of course we'll, we'll get we'll get to that line it's just you know it's it's it seems a little corny when it when it comes up but oh, yeah. you know it's it, it's it's her sort of heroine line you know it's um yeah poor poor alex is not about to get into college here yeah i know mom yeah this is what life feels like though sometimes like you you do something great or you put out a great podcast or something and then you get <laughs> this kind of news delivered to you or you just you know take yeah. a look at the news and then your whole day you know, like is how, shot. Like I, I, we don't really know what college he was trying to get into because I mean they keep referencing City College. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to us, that's basically like you know Harper or you know College of DuPage or something. Uh, but you know we they see, keep saying City College. So who knows what he was trying to get into? Um, keep an eye to the is, sky you know, clearly, here, people. You're gonna see yeah. a like a shooting star, or is it Centauri's car? in the sky so right after he throws yeah the paper here watch watch the sky mm-hmm. there it is oh, whoa what was that pretty sure pretty sure that was intentional uh-huh <laughs> yeah um yeah so i mean it's just, we, we don't know what exactly what his ambitions are i mean the, the, you know a lot of that stuff is sort of kept as a you know a general MacGuffin that we just know that he wants to get away and you know, probably so. It's probably you know, maybe as far away from here as possible. So maybe he was trying to go to like a New York college or something like that. But how bad were his grades that he couldn't get into? You know, the, you know, the movies in the, in the nineteen eighties were always uh, when, when we were in grade school were always scaring us that we could never get into college. That it was like it was this really like you had to you know stay the straight and narrow, otherwise you know your college you know you were not going to get in. Um. So we were always being scared about that. Yeah, and I was shocked at how easy it was to get into college. Pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure they just want. I'm sure money. they're. 
Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. They just want your money, and you know, I'm sure that there are probably a few colleges, you know, that you that you need that money to get into those colleges. I know those places exist, uh, but you know, okay, here's the the pre DeLorean, basically. <laughs> um, the which is basically, I mean, the car basically is kind of like stainless steel. The special effects. So, did you know that, that the star car makes a super brief appearance in Back to the Future too? I yes, no idea. yes, I, yes, yes. I, I that was it had to be pointed out to me. I, I ah. will not. I will not lie. Uh, I, it did have to be pointed out to me. Hmm. I'm gonna. But yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I completely did. I I listened to one of the commentaries for this, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Preston. Huh. Yeah, genuine, genuine legend in his in his final film role. Yeah. In this movie. And this, and the, and here's a great thing, you know, as you know, we're here talking about you know, our video games and Star Wars and you know geek stuff in the 1980s and whatnot. But you know, seeing a movie like this for the first time, and you see this actor Robert Preston, and he's so funny and charming in this movie. A uh, little, you know, he's kind of diabolical at the same time. And you know, you you start wondering, well, what else was he in? And so you get you you're led down this other rabbit hole uh, <laughs> of other movies that he was in, and clearly, you know, the, one of the first things that comes up is the you know the Music Man. Yes. You know, so you go back to that, uh, and then you know l- more recent stuff like you know his work with Blake Edwards and Victor Victoria and Sob and stuff like that. But you know, you go d- you you that that's the, the great thing about you know casting actors like this, and I'm sure that it's the same today. When you have some of these, you know, people start wondering, you know, what is this actor doing and, you know, slumming in this comic book movie or something like that. I mean, imagine, you know, someone who, you know, takes a shine to some of these actors, these these legendary <laughs> actors, and then get to go down this entire rabbit hole of a resume where they get how much the, the, the discovery that they're in store for. It took me so, a long you know, time to realize that uh, uh, Grieg <laughs> is played by Dan O'Harely and... He's in RoboCop. It's like, I heard the voice in RoboCop, and I'm like, who is that? I know that voice. Where have I heard that voice before? And because Grig is under that, you know, tons and tons of makeup. Yeah. You know, as a lizard. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, he's not recognizable in other roles. Well, it's also a lesson, if, you know, for, for this kid, certainly, of... The, the, that actors can play wildly different roles. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just Dan O'Hillary as a lizard. This is, you know, three years before Robocop, but the year before he's in a little movie called Halloween three. Of course. And, and Halloween three Halloween two. That's right. So, I mean, we you start talking about the John Carpenter connections to this movie, Nick Castle, obviously, you know, who played Michael Myers or the shape, yep. however you want to classify him in Halloween and co-wrote Escape from New York. And, you know, we saw Ron Cobb's name there as a production designer earlier, and he worked with, uh, you know, uh, Carpenter. and on Dark as, Star. Uh, on, on Dark Star. And then, you know, then again with Dan O'Bannon, who also worked on Dark Star, on Alien. Oh, it's all connected, man. It's crazy. It is. Mm-hmm. No, but the, like, they, they basically have like 17 months worth of special effects and about six months to get it all done. And I believe it mm-hmm. was through Digital Productions, who actually did some like initial simulations for Industrial Light and Magic back in the late 70s. 
yeah. So, but they 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 weren't prepared for the amount of work that they had to do for these effects, which are groundbreaking, and it, they don't. Not a lot of people realize that this this kind of stuff they they developed the software. They had to train people to use the software. You know, there were things that they had no idea how to do, like motion blur, that they had to like mm-hmm. learn right from scratch and kind of yeah. just figure it all out. And I'm not going to go into like super great detail about it because you can certainly watch the um, half hour making of, which you can see on YouTube. You can see on the Blu-ray, and you can watch all these amazing technical achievements and these goofy, nerdy computer guys working their butts off to make this stuff happen. Uh, especially in the Star Car here, they said they had a lot of matching to do that was really tricky. And uh, yeah, see, like this is this 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 was not done before, people. I mean, you yeah, had I mean, great, great, great groundbreaking um, effects in Star Wars, of course, but look at this. This was all new at the time. Yeah, I mean, aside from Tron, I mean, that was the, the only other film up to this point that had as much, you know, computer-generated stuff as, as this one did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a guy that, when it comes to special effects, I'm you know, it's always interesting to see how, you know, the, the stake is made, so to speak. Uh, but I'm, but I am always been kind of a guy that doesn't like to open their Christmas presents before Christmas, <laughs> and so I always, you know, I don't always uh, really care to even to know how all the tricks of the trade are done. Uh, this is not a field that I'm going to work in, so I didn't feel the need to learn that kind of stuff. Uh, but I was just, I, I just kind of like to go along with the spectacle of it all. And, sure. You know, if there's something truly amazing, something, some something that's truly uh, a true piece of trickeration, you know, then that's kind of interesting. But, you know, just the, you know, the, the incredible work that these people do, I like it to sort of remain uh, distant from it a bit. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I didn't watch every little making of The Matrix, you know. It's like, I, I, I think that stuff is amazing to see how they did it, but at the same right. time... It is part. You don't want to take away the magic from watching it either, and like no. how every little specific thing was done, right? Because uh, that's what's that's the joy of watching this. And yeah, I again, Rob Cobb, the amazing creature design you're about to see coming up too. He he did a lot of incredible work here. Mm-hmm. Now, so the design of the 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 Rylan look, the aliens, uh, there there was sort of meant to be the sort of kind of a look of sort of like benevolence, you know, there was sort of like to give this sort of like this look of peace and calm and whatnot and very non-threatening. Uh, and of course, I didn't think of this at the time because I hadn't seen the movie yet. But you know, now that you know, I look at them and it reminds me of the Metalunans from this island Earth. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah giant foreheads, white yeah, yeah. hair, you know. Something of a movie that I would become familiar with a year later when a little movie called Explorers came out. Yes, that's another one. Another, yeah, another one I missed in theaters and had to see them on cable. Actually, no, I saw a video. I saw that the drive-in actually, I, which was perfect. Wow. That was like the best. That was my first experience with a meta moment when I when they mm-hmm. saw the movie at a drive-in while I was seeing the movie at a drive-in. Yeah. Yeah. The music Assuming man people have as seen a con this man in outer space. That's kind of how he looked. Right. At it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
it's, then, a, it's a great little touch yeah. that he's uh, he's recruiting for this war. He's a, you know he's a war profiteer. That's mm-hmm. what Centauri is. Pretty he's much. a lovable war profiteer. Um, and you know people who you know listening to this, I you know <laughs> assume that they've seen the movie already. Uh, we're we're quite flattered if you chose to listen to us as your, on your first viewing. Uh, oh, there's some Playboys. There's some Playboys PG movie. And, and according to the actor that played Lewis, yes, there were pictures in there for a ten year old boy for, to look at. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Looking like there a you like a young Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And what's <laughs> go from Playboy to what's going on uh, under those sheets? Hmm. That's I think someone's got one of the Playboys. Okay. Yeah. Here's sort of one of your Wizard of Oz touches in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely you know Maggie's definitely got a Dorothy look here, and there 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 are more there are a few sort of Wizard of Oz. Uh, references, although the ironic part is that it, you know there is no place like home is not the message of this movie. Uh, it's yeah. to get as far away from home as possible. No, but Nick Castle was a huge musical fan, and he kind of likened this to you know a music like he wanted to make more romantic comedies and musicals than than genre picks in science fiction. Which is well, his father is one of the, the like legendary choreographers. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Too. Which is where sort of like the stuff from Escape from New York came from, where they're watching the the the, the criminals are putting on the musical theater that uh, Cabby's watching in that movie. That's sort of one of Nick Castle's contributions to that movie. See, now you get you know we got like Ugh. Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Could we not get you know <laughs> one little Rylan, you know, thing? Just lights just going back and forth. <laughs> Reminds it's airplane two all over again. Yeah. Well, there's a prop that I think is prominently used in airplane two coming up that we see Grig like twisting the knobs. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's so weird to see that just like show up randomly. I remember. I can't remember if he just he just kind of like moves like a dial. I don't. I don't yeah. think he really moves anything back and forth. I think we see it in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the the Ryland language, by the way, is just gibberish, according yep. to Nick Castle. Just gibberish. And that actor, I believe, was in Nick Castle's movie before this, Tag the Assassination Game, which I have not seen and apparently is not very easy you, to find. You, it's not very easy to find. You've never seen Tag the Assassination no, Game with like Robert Carradine and Linda Hamilton. I that was a that was a cable staple. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how that, that was one missing. Yeah, not to get too off topic, but Tag the Assassination Game was sort of the prelude to Gotcha a few years later with Anthony Edwards. Uh, but it was basically like a you know a you know well before laser tag introduced, but it was just like people shooting these. Like almost like tranquilizer guns at each other, uh, not using real tra- tranquilizers. Oh, here we go. ouch! Yeah, I like that I some of the aliens are wearing baseball Gorn hats. <laughs> yes. Well, they got a team. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. sure that they got a. You know, I mean, there you go. <laughs> um, 
I always felt bad. I I, I always wanted this guy to be a bigger character. In yeah, the I movie. think that's the director's well, cousin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Does, does he really look like that, or is that makeup, or <laughs> I, <laughs> unfortunate? Yeah, and then the castle went on to do um, the boy who could fly, which I also really liked, but nothing else really beyond that. Well, Dennis the Menace. Was that good? I don't remember. It's not. It, it it's 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 pretty decent until it becomes Home Alone, uh, which is what every John Hughes movie became after he did Home of Alone. Course. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like the first like bit of it is very much a classic sort of Dennis the Menace type movie, and Walter Matthau is is pretty terrific in it. Uh, and then it just becomes Home Alone with Christopher Lloyd as the knife wielding villain. Mm. Now the boy who could fly really, really moved me, and uh, yeah, Lucy Deacons. She's she's hardly in anything after that besides like Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors, uh, yeah. And I know this actor. I should have wrote down his name, but uh, the guy who plays the leader here, first victory uh, or death. Yep. He's That's something you don't you don't hear enough of that, and yeah, you don't hear enough of that in real life. Victory or death. <laughs> Sports teams should should say that more often. I agree. Yeah, Centaur just going through, just <laughs> you know, placating all of them. Victory or death, sure, whatever. Just give me my money so I can get out of here. Yeah, I think this is where we meet. Uh, yep, there we go. You know, this is Greg. Such a lovable sidekick. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what they're, how they're going to do the sequel without two of the most charming actors and characters. I mean, are they just going to... Well, they could Blade Runner 2049 it. Yeah. I have no idea how they're going to pull it off, but obviously if they do... Well, if they do, it, it, it's going to be one of these cases where it, it's probably not going to revolve around Alex Rogan. Alex Rogan will be someone in, in the background yeah, yeah, that probably yeah. is a supporting character and stuff there like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't get these, these lights to stop flashing back and forth. Well, surely it must have some purpose. What did he do there? Like he, I don't he just know. Kind of like, he, he, it looks like he turns the thing, but you, you can't really see a turn. So that's that's acting. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ninety minutes uh, to apply that makeup for for Grig. Whew. That's 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 not that's not bad actually, <laughs> considering by makeup standards, uh, that's true. a lot of people have suffered worse. Uh, and as I was saying before, if you've never, you know, I'm assuming people have seen this movie, and so we see a lot of the spy uh, in this in this sequence this oh yeah 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 here. that yeah. guy yeah well yeah there's a shot coming up here that i'm gonna <laughs> the shifty eye guy i gotta mention when that shot comes up mm-hmm there's a there's a there's a backstory there too of how Centauri get, went to Earth, merchandised the video games, and got them into the stores by yeah, Christmas. Yeah, give me the prequel. I want to know what. I yeah, know, I'm sure there's comic books. I'm sure there's other things out. I'm, I know I owned the uh, 
whatchamacallit? The novelization. Novelization? Yeah. I know I owned that at one point. If they can do a young Furiosa movie, I'm sure they could do a young Centauri movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I want to know all these characters. I mean, heck, if you even want to do uh, a miniseries sequel, you know, yeah. I'm I'm down. And here I comes wanna... the wizard. Oh, I mean Zur. <laughs> Played by Norman Snow. Yes. Who I don't think I've seen in anything else besides maybe a Quantum Leap episode. Hmm. Apparently he was in Manhunter. I I did not know that. He he looks a lot like Tom Noonan there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he's got and, and you know the, the he's got the 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 Lobot thing from Empire Strikes Back rocking. <laughs> yeah, we have a father and son conflict here again. I think that's just inevitable when you're telling these stories like uh, a child just went and gone evil and betrayed his father mm-hmm. yeah their master spy is like 180 years old by the way yeah I know right yeah here's their here's the master spy <laughs> it seems it seems like they they pick him out out pretty quick yeah <laughs> frying his brain. That's sad. Yeah. Oh, he's melting too. Yeah. And this was, yeah, this this is like as violent. Well, there's some violence later in the movie, but uh, you know that's shown that much. I mean, this is before the PG-13 was officially invented. I don't know if that was a, would be enough to get at the PG-13. It probably would be now. With you know, they're they're so, you know, wussy about everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, but this was this was a, a PG movie. And this is, you know, as, as mo- a lot of great movies in 1984 were PG, uh, could very easily uh, fall into the PG-13 category. Uh, I mean, this one has uh, a number of sex jokes in it. We saw the Playboy stuff, and we'll get some more of that later. Uh, Maggie's you know, that strange was... sexual urges. That's right. <laughs> you want me to talk dirty to you now? Oh, gosh. Um, um, but, she... yeah, so I... I remember even the first time I saw this, I'm like, oh, he's going back home? I mean, I yeah, guess... Yeah, I, 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 I remember that, yeah. I, I, again, reluctant hero, and I think it's kind of an interesting twist to all of a sudden have him go back home after, you know, all that journey mm-hmm. that he's gone through already. But at the same time, hey... He doesn't want to die. He's a teenager, you know. and and we're looking at that through our eyes as children ourselves, and that mm-hmm. we, you know we we want to be up here. We want to be in space. Uh, you know, we're not really thinking about the idea of the the the. You know, we're thinking about the victory, not so much the death. Yeah. And you know, I mean, oh, it's strange I get to, to play th- a video th- game and go into space. It's strange to think about that. If he had stayed, he would have died because of the mm-hmm. what, what happens right. soon enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's your phallic symbol of the film with the with the scepter. Which all he seems, seems to do with it, he just loves pushing that blade out. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when he, when he gets angry. When he yeah, when he gets angry, it's like he gets like a murder boner or something, and just like <laughs> he he pushes that thing out. Um, you know, when he find when he finds out, you know, Rogan survives, he just he gets mad and he just 
pushes the thing and the blade comes out. Like this is, I mean, this is <laughs> the, like the early. This is like early Trump crap right here. This is this is the guy that didn't earn his position. Uh, no you kidding. know, just just wants just wants to hold this scepter. You know, and it's just it, it always. You know, I love when we get later on in the movie. Well, I'll talk about it then. Uh, but he, somehow he's managed to be their commander, leader, or, or lead them in the way of being able to lead the fight against his race. Yeah, how did that uh, and happen? They, and, they, and, they, and they go along with it until they finally just had enough of them. <laughs> They're just like, wait, <laughs> we don't need you. Get out of here. Commander Krill. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. I guess he inspired a character in Galaxy Quest. It's been a long time since I've seen Galaxy Quest, but a lot of films definitely have paid homage and throw in references. Any science fiction film from the future. Uh, well, yeah. Commander Krill, the, the the villain in Galaxy Quest, I think has a similar yeah. eye patch. I mean, right. well, I think he's got an eye patch in the movie. Uh, here he's got a you know a spectacle basically. <laughs> we never see what he does with that. We never see the inside of what you know he's looking at through his ultraviolet lens there. Yeah. I mean, if, launching you have, to, you have to admit that, that this is this is easy. This, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that if that's all it takes to destroy a world, I mean, they, they, maybe they should be better organized. Well, I'm maybe sure not they thought put, they maybe, were. I mean, is this their only base? I mean, this is the only base they have left in the entire galaxy. It sounds like it. I mean, it's like clearly not because you know there's a celebration at the end. There's some of them, you know, there's clearly a lot of them survived. Yeah, see, that's the that's the planet we saw at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And here's and here's my guy that oh, <laughs> he just you, you, there even there I'm thinking like oh he's gonna make it and he's gonna be part of the story and he's gonna be a sidekick at some point and no. And you're you're feeling good about their attack. They're they're doing well with the asteroids until but they, here he uh, comes. This, yeah. Now this is what reminds me of modern romance. <laughs> the, the cutaway <laughs> to the shit. You know nothing. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I know the code, sir. Yeah. Anytime I see somebody with the shifty eyes, now I just think of oh, that was a good cutaway. <laughs> And then this and the spy gets the the spy gets killed himself too. So I mean, this is a suicide mission. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's a kamikaze of sorts. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are survivors. We see them. Right on the planet. I mean, this is their. This is them taking out their forces. I mean, there's the gun. The gun stars you see being let out there, and so they completely destroy them. Off the off the coast there, there. Okay, he holds up his little scepter. Zur is, I mean, he's 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 a he's a good villain because he's so evil, <laughs> yeah. but he he is kind of an idiot. So here he goes. Watch this. There we go. Yep. He never does anything with. Well, he does. No, he does. And I also punch, wonder how he found out Alex was the one who escaped. You know, like he starts sending the hitmen, the Zandazans, Zan, after, huh? 
after him. I was like, how did he figure all that out so fast? Well, I think isn't isn't there a isn't there a scene where they suggest they they've traced uh, someone's escaped or something and they trace it back to Earth? Mm. I wonder if that was a deleted scene or something. I don't remember that. Hmm. There were no deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. Actually, I was surprised. Yeah, you get to see like during the making of like alternate takes of a lot of the dialogue, and I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And coming up here, you got the uh, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Sort of yes. sentiment of the film. I'm just a kid from a trailer park, Eric. Keep it. <laughs> and not the Chris Columbus that went on to uh, no. write Gremlins. The same and year. yeah, and Go- Goonies and and the Christmas Chronicles Part Two. Oh, great. There we go. Here it is. That's all you'll ever be. Love it. Mm-hmm. You must do what you feel is right, of course. Yeah, Centauri is basically, you know, diabolical Obi-Wan. <laughs> um... That's true. He's got he's and got he all dies the he's got all the at one point too. <laughs> yeah, and and manages to come back to life. Right. So you know this this is a moment here. I mean this entire section is where the for me watching it way back when is is where it really started to evolve into something really special because as much as I want to see him fighting the the you know the all the the battles in space and everything it's this bit of ingenuity here where you you have this alternate uh Alex on earth pretending to be him so no one gets to, has to ask where's Alex at yeah. uh, it, it's 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 a wonderful little twist that then gets to uh gets to be played for comedy uh and it was you know it was there wasn't as much about uh of this in the original uh screenplay but apparently that that stuff was working so well that they went and filmed like uh they filmed additional stuff with between maggie and the beta unit version um even up to the point that uh they had to, they had to call lance guest back and he had to, like cut his hair oh, so right. yeah he, yeah so he had there's like a wig you can see like a bad wig on him yeah, and he said he was really sick for the reshoots too. So, yes, he wasn't uh, totally himself, but he, he went for it. I mean, he worked right. This was like a thirty-eight day shoot, and he worked thirty-five of the days, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like a twenty-two million dollar budget. Uh, and it it wound up grossing around thirty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But to me, it's it's still one of those things. It's I'm like this should have been a hit. It has all the elements going for it. It's yeah, it wasn't really a hit, and it wasn't really a uh, a bomb either. Right. I mean, it it was still it was still the 26th highest grossing movie of 1984, uh, but it was the 13th highest grossing movie of the summer. Mm. Uh, this 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 particular scene, by the way, uh, Lance Guest apparently got into a car wreck that day. Uh, oh, on his way to, fil- to to film this scene, so this is a very this always disturbed me. Yeah, me too. Uh, as, a as a kid, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
Zandazan just hitching a ride. I feel like Nick Castle did learn a lot from Carpenter. I mean, he... He, he he was able to stay under budget. He was able to shoot this, you know, like practically within a month. He didn't do a lot of coverage. It was a mm-hmm. sh- quick shoot, you know, and you know, shot it beautifully in 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 scope and kind of just. I, I feel like really stepped it up, t- and then you know decided he wanted to basically not do this type of movie again. For the yeah. future, like he he wanted to do more modest things, uh, you know, more character-driven, romantic comedies and and things like that. So, which is why it would really be really interesting if he did decide to direct a sequel now. Where is he mm-hmm. at mentally, and how can you tell right. the story without letting the CGI overwhelm and things like that? So. It's another reason why it's interesting to go back and watch this movie thinking, how are they going to do a sequel? Because it's kind of been announced that it's they got the rights for it. They have a script, or at least they have an idea of what to do. And as right. far as I know, it is really going to be like Maggie and Alex have a kid, and the kid ends up being the next Last Starfighter. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are, we're in, we're in that era of you know with Bill and Ted face the music yeah, yeah. and other movies that you know we're which is I mean I I that's a subgenre of subgenre that I've always really enjoyed is the revisiting characters twenty thirty years down the road that you really liked way back when and seeing what has become of them whether they've become successful whether they're the same whether they, they've been destroyed. Uh, I always wonder if Centauri, if that was a feature that Centauri had to program into that video game to reveal the Xandozan. Is that I think so? I mean, cause the, yeah, because the, the 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 thing's been acting funny ever since he broke the record. True. And creepy little creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Very good creature design here. Get a nice little action sequence. Mm-hmm. He was just he did, so he just decided to hide up there the entire time and wait for Alex to come home. <laughs> you got the you know, old trusty two by four with a nail in it. So much like because um, I pretty much saw these around the same time. Cloak and Daggers is another movie that yes. I remember going to the arcade, wishing I can go play the game. That was being yep. played in the movie, and I couldn't. And it really pissed me off. We had an arcade in Calumet City, Illinois, that had pretty much everything you could want. And after being obsessed with these movies, I just assumed I could go play the games at the arcade. And nope, they weren't there. Yeah, and and these two movies, you know, Cloak and Dagger and Starfighter. I mean, Cloak and Dagger, you know, had a home video game. It was based on an Atari 5200 uh, cartridge that, you know, fit, you know, they created a game that, you know, crafted those graphics at the time. And the Starfighter is a little more advanced. It's, it's a, a you know, a stand-up uh, unit like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it has more uh, your memory and power than, you know, your typical Atari uh, unit. There's a, okay, there's a, <laughs> an arm coming off <laughs> like Star Wars. Um Mm. Any quotes from this film that make it into your regular lexicon? Oh, 
Because I, 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 really? I remember when my dad would have like a surprise for me, and I'm like, tell me what it is. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. He would do the, uh, you know, the Centauri thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I was thinking about that, because like as, as much as I love everything about this movie, including the screenplay, I don't know if I quote it the way, you know, some people quote something like Star Wars, obviously. Right. I mean, I could do that around other Last Starfighter fans. <laughs> you know, when I know that when I know that they're a fan of the film, I could throw things at them. You know, like oh, yeah, clearly, yeah. I mean, I could quote the movie if I needed to, but I just I've never I don't know if I've ever felt the need to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is not again not a knock on the movie. You know, there are, there are bad movies that I quote uh, sure. more than good movies sometimes. So. If I hear something, I'll have to remember if I if I used to say this around kids back then. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, Obi Wan got shot. Of course. Gotta feel bad for the beta unit though, because he's just basically going to be here and be a sitting duck. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, I mean, that's the, the joke of it. You know, when he says he'll be firing at the beta unit, that we, we kind of, we passed over that scene right there and it was just, the beta unit had no idea about it. <laughs> uh, so again, just a funny concept that he's going to be this decoy, but at the same time, you know, even he rises up to the challenge later on and that's he, true. you know, he understands the gravity of the, of the moment uh, and he, he might not be happy about it ultimately, but he he is he does do the right thing, the heroic thing. So you know th- this is you know one of these you know it's the hero's journey. And it's, it might seem like a simplistic theme, theme, but these things m- mean something to kids of a certain age. You know whether you know it might not be fighting off in a you know a distant galaxy and fighting off an alien race, but it could mean something in your everyday life. And you know that's the, the thing we get out of the movies that we grew up with. We, we, the, these messages, however simplistic they might feel to people as adults, as kids, these things matter. Yeah, no doubt. Cause like when you're playing a video game, it matters in the moment what's happening and you get really mm-hmm. invested. Like you're really there <laughs> because in a way you are a part of you is deciding where to go and what to do and what to shoot so there's always been times especially when i got older and played like some darker video games like doom and quake and stuff if i was playing it in the dark i would always be getting like goosebumps because it freaked me out like monsters would jump out of nowhere i'd be like jesus christ (laughs) like it's really (laughs) happening you know so i think i'm i i was telling patrick who is a kind of a gamer himself I think I'm too sensitive for video games. I really get like <laughs> I get really into them and crazy and like then I'll eventually dream about them and stuff. I'm like, ugh, I don't know. I, 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 I they, they they envelop me in a way. See, I'm much more of a, of a classic gamer. Sure. I am very much the 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 '80s school of games, and you know, I mean, I've I've had many video game systems over the years and have enjoyed uh, all of them to, to different degrees. Uh, but you know this this era this this period where the arcade craze and now we're getting a whole bunch of documentaries about the, the arcade crazes in different eras. Uh, we've had some for many years, 
but this you know, particular era where you know people talk about the the era of the arcade and people would go to these places you know i didn't you know we i there were a couple arcades in my area there was uh one very briefly not far from my house that i think i went to one time and there was another place that uh, i remember being in late grade school that i think like a friday night friends told it you know it's a video game it's got three levels three different levels of, of arcades and like one level has like the classic games and another one has the new games and another one has like, you know, pinball and, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, uh, you know, which, which was an amazing night. But my, the, where I really, you know, other than home game system, gaming systems like the Atari 2600, uh, and, you know, then later on like Nintendo, which is sort of the leap that I, I took, uh, my, arcade experiences were of the showbiz pizza place and Chuck E. Cheese times. So birthday parties uh, were, you know, the, the big on my arcade uh, education and uh, just other times, you know, an opportunity to just, you know, dinner, you know, go for the, to the pizza place with the electronics, you know, <laughs> um, band, uh, stuffed animal bands and stuff and <laughs> play the Star Wars game. And, oh, you love and the Country my... Bears movie. I know. I did not know, no. <laughs> um, and now my my brother in law has a he's got his own video game standee unit with one of these systems where it has all of the classic games on the the hardware. So you just you go to the unit and you just go to like any era and it's got like every game arcade game you can possibly imagine. So wow. whenever I go over to my sister's house playing. That thing, that thing is just a dream. Oh. It's so weird to think that, yeah, my two favorite movies around this time were this and Cloak and Dagger, because they're very similar. <laughs> because they both involve people who, you know, are obsessed with games and pretend, and then they actually get to do the thing in real life. Yeah, it's weird. I hadn't thought of that until just now. <laughs> And Cloak and Dagger, Cloak and Dagger is a far more serious movie. Oh, sure. Although, yeah. I mean, it, it has. I mean, the, the stakes are. I mean, this one, you know, I mean, certainly death is on the on the table for Alex Rogan here, but uh, he's he's a little bit older. Uh, he, he's he's not a child running around uh, having to worry about bombs and machine guns, uh, which is a little more a little more sadistic. <laughs> Than, than this movie is. I mean, this movie is in the you know, sort of the classic sort of space opera type thing, and that was you know a movie about espionage and spies and assassins and stuff. Uh, and I I love that movie too. And that movie ha- also has, which I know you appreciate, the very strong father son bond <laughs> connection. No kidding. That is you know well you know well before we got you know Bronx Tale. You know we had Damney Coleman was given a speech about how ordinary heroes put food on the table and they, you know, they pay the, pay the rent and stuff like that. That was well before De Niro gives that speech in a Bronx tale down the road. Yeah. It's weird how last Starfighter was essentially my star Wars. And I liked, I liked cloak and dagger more than ET for some reason when I was mm. younger. You're, and I think, you're a messed up kid. Probably. I know. Apparently. But yeah, no, it's like I, I loved Henry Thomas and Cloak and Dagger, and certainly Dabney Coleman reminded me a little bit of my dad, and so mm. that yeah, now now the ending of Cloak and Dagger, forget it. I mean, you could call it cheesy, oh, yeah. but I don't care. <laughs> I still want to know how he got got out of that airplane. No but, kidding, you know, right? I'll, 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 I'll accept it. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> See, and this is, this is a lovely little moment in the movie too, where you just, you just, it just, it stops for a moment to really explain what yeah. he's going to be going through here. And it's, it's not just like, it's oh, not cool, just this exposition. is kind of like the video game. Yeah. It's not just, right. Exposition. It's just like, yeah. Because uh, he needs to the know, the character needs to know what he's doing. And right. And we're learning w- along with him. Yeah, there's a big difference between playing Flight Simulator and flying a plane. Yeah. I know they originally wanted to set this in suburbia instead of a trailer park, but again, they were like, eh, that's probably going to be too Spielbergian. So... Uh-huh. We should probably change that up. And I, I we didn't say at the beginning. I do love the we get to like a little dose of each trailer park resident, even though they're not major characters or anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I it just gives you a nice feel for the community there. Oh yes. And it's really sweet. Yeah, and and again, the camaraderie here between Greg and Alex—you you just, you just can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when he misunderstands him, and he's like, "That's the spirit." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God! My slaughter. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so apparently I mean yeah. Ali Sheedy was gonna up for the role of Maggie uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and strangely enough guess who auditioned for the role of Alex Somebody, uh, is some... it the guy that was yeah the guy that was cut from Back to the Future you got it yeah <laughs> Again, he was probably playing it too seriously. I mean, Lance mentioned <laughs> that he was a, he did take it very seriously, you know, especially when you're working with these classic actors. He oh, yeah. wanted to rehearse a lot and make sure everything, you know, that he was on his A game and everything. Mhm. But yeah, wow. I can't yeah, how imagine many how many else in those roles? How many v- game uh movies from the 1980s can you name that that dealt with video games, that video games played somewhere into the plotting. Hmm. Besides Tron? I don't mean to, I don't mean to put you on a spot. I'm just, I made a list myself. So I'm just, I'm just yeah, curious I'm how many you can name. It's funny because Tron, like, you obviously. know, a lot of them besides like war games. I mean, that was, that was a war big games, one for me right. that I loved. It's really it's 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 be- between 1982 and 1984 is where the the, the bulk of them <laughs> were. Uh, and this was obviously one of them. Last Starfighter, Tron. You mentioned War Games. You just mentioned uh, that's kind of the trifecta right there. Tron, War Games, Last Starfighter. Yeah. Um, but also you you might remember a little anthology movie called Nightmares. <gasps> oh yeah, was Emilio Estevez playing a video game? Emilio Estevez sneaks into the mall. To, right. to finish the final round of the video game, and it comes to life on him. Yeah, that's that. That that you know, it's not Nightmares is not a great movie, but that s- sequence, I, I I freaked me out as a kid. Um, and also another another movie that I've referenced recently on one of the the Movie Madness podcasts, 
uh, Never Say Never Again, where oh, yeah. James Bond and his, his, his nemesis play the ultimate video game that's all about nuclear war and world domination for cash. <laughs> for cash, they play it. And uh, James Bond doesn't play it well until the miraculous final round where he turns things around and wins. I still don't know why I was so excited to see the wizard in the theater when I, I mean, that's later on. It's like late 80s. 89. Yeah. Yeah. The wizard, you know, people who are not familiar with that movie, that was basically just a giant commercial for Nintendo. Exactly. Super Mario 3. That too. Super like, Mario 3 and the Game Glove. Yeah. Right. Now you're playing with power. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. It is. I think I, I just, I was that huge of a Wonder Years fan. I'm like, I'll see anything Fred Savage is in. He's charming. I can see. No, I, that's forgivable. I can I can, I can, can see that. We were all, we all had that. I mean, that, that's why I wanted to see Cloak and Dagger, because Henry Thomas was in it. Sure. You know, I'm just like, oh, it's a kid from E.T. and it deals with video games and James Bond type stuff. Okay. Saw that at a sleepover. Wow. That was the that was the move. I, I, I was so I mean, it was a sleepover, you know, dozen kids, maybe 10, 12 kids, maybe. And I was so excited. I was more excited than anything when they said, like, oh, we run in the movie for the night and it's Cloak and Dagger. I couldn't believe it. I, I almost wept. I mean, these special effects, you know, clearly, you know, have a dated quality to them today. But the, the, there's there's a sheen to them mm-hmm. that I, I really enjoy. Uh, I love the design of the Gunstar, and me too. Watching I want to play the, this the game. Movement. <laughs> oh, so absolutely, you do. Well, you, yeah. you you can't. There's like a free version of it you can download uh, online. Okay. Um, yeah, if, if if it's if it still works, but someone actually does. Uh, designed the the Starfire game because it was it was supposed to come out. Atari, Atari was bought the rights to Starfighter and then just you know, I mean Atari was, went through some trouble in the mid eighties mm-hmm. and uh, but they never the Starfighter game never came out. You know another movie that we talked about recently that I'm surprised I don't like more that you do, Ready Player One. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, and I know that the author of Ready Player One wrote a book called Armada. Yes, he did. And the plot is very similar. It's the exact, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's the plot, it's basically the plot to Last Starfighter that also includes Last Starfighter references in it. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's I I don't know if that would annoy me or if I would find that charming. I wonder. Well, I, I, well, I, mean, I think if you really liked Rudder Player One, the book, I think you know you might find it more charming. Uh, you know, going mm-hmm. back to what we were saying about the sort of the germ of an idea, like you know, yeah. you, you you start you start somewhere just like, well, let's you know, we, we kind of got the Luke Skywalker arc. We kind of got a character that's kind of like him. We're gonna call the movie Starfighter, not Skywalker. And but let's, let, but you know, where can we take it from here? I mean, that's what. Tarantino gets credit for all the time is you know crafting stories that are full of homages 
and uh, are you know uh, you know connected. The tissue is connected to all these other movies, but he finds he finds ways to spin it. He finds ways to to uh, make the stories relevant to today and the, the you know the periods that he's telling them in. Yeah, uh, you know if you if you're just gonna do that okay here's uh, uh, let me <laughs> pause for a second here's because here's peter nelson again and the reason i keep bringing up peter nelson uh is because probably no one else gives this guy any a second look really uh, and i'm not trying to put the guy down or anything but when i saw this movie for the first time and saw that actor in it because peter nelson plays was on v oh that's right that's something I peter nelson yeah, oh. Peter Nelson V. One of his one of his first roles. He had, I think he has a uh, role in a, a another debut. But on on television, he's in V and V: The Final Battle, and he's the lizard alien who impregnates the human Ooh. that causes that entire storyline. He plays Brian, the the lovable, gorgeous alien that Blair Tefkin <laughs> uh, this, this decides to bang and creates uh, the the lizard twins. <laughs> The well, star, well, the star child, the star child, and the lizard baby who doesn't last very long. I started rewatching the X Files from the start, and uh, I should go back and watch V again. That might be fun. X Files, I mean, very hit and miss. Uh, I gotta, I gotta say, but when it hits, it really hits. And there are some great episodes of that show. I never got into X Files. I know it's shocking. I heard that recently, and it's like. Yeah, I know David Duchovny isn't the greatest, but he does he does a service of service of bull job on the show. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, I you know I I tried I I couldn't I couldn't get past the two leads. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, I know I know Gillian Anderson's done some fine work since, and I know people love that show. It was just I could I never got into it. And now we get a little backstory for Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love his portfolio of photos that he's yeah. got. It's it's that I mean that's again it's just a wonderful little touch that you know a, 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 another movie might have just missed or just glossed over. I mean look at I mean that's that's a wonderful little touch that he carries around yeah. these photos of his wife and his family and his little griglets and whatnot. Oh yeah, and, and you, you learned that uh, Zer turned them, them them into slaves too. So he's right. really invested in this battle. Yeah. Caves above ground. Trail of I, I you know I I think I used to say that. I I I, I have some memory of because there's I know there's a there's a there's a trailer community, uh, not far from our area. And um, I, I remember when we were past that, I was just like, those are, you know, caves above ground. Ah, okay. Didn't make a habit of saying that, but that's, I, I but I do, when I go past there, I, I think of that line. Hide and seek, he comes uh-huh. up. Yeah, there Screenwriting you go. 101, come Perfect. up with the, come up with the thing. And it's just like, hide and seek, here's a good plan. We can hide and then we can seek. Two years before Top Gun. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not quite the same plan, but I mean, in spirit. The little little guilt trip laying them on there. 
It's a nice idea, kid. Too bad you don't have the balls to use it. It's a little practice here. Indeed. He does make it look really easy. Yeah. Well, if you got the controls down and that's, you know, what you're basically looking at, I mean, the, you know, I, I, I think I'd be a pretty good starfighter, but the, the motion of the turret there would, I mean, which is, you know, clearly, you know, designed in many ways from, you know, World War II bombers and things, mm -hmm. uh, that, that would probably not, I'd probably throw up. Yeah. Yeah. If you're probably, well, maybe not, sickness. yeah. You know, well, I, I wasn't when I was a kid, like when I was a kid, the tilt a whirl was my favorite ride. Now I can't, I can't get on that thing. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if um, that would change for me. Cause I do love roller coasters, but obviously I don't know when I'm going to be able to go on one again anytime soon, but I, well, I it's, it's weird. I've changed. Yeah. It's also cause it is, I mean, I don't know if you've you know, played video games nowadays and whatnot, Not but, much, but you know, yeah, yeah I, I, I wish I had more time to nice little moment there um the, because the whole idea of the the the, the first person type thing that you know the, since the advent of doom and whatnot uh when because the way certain people uh their their brains work that when you're playing a video game and you're you're playing as the first person and you're 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 looking around for certain things, using the controller to look around for things, your brain is processing that, but it knows your body's not moving. Ah, so okay. it actually can cause like severe nausea mm -hmm. in people. This is something that I discovered in the Wisconsin Dells one time when we, we were in like, sort of like a kind of like, almost like a makeshift IMAX theater, but it was like, you know, you know, you would stand there in front of a big screen and it looked like you were skydiving and, you know, hang gliding and stuff like that. Uh, but you were just standing there with like a bar and watching this giant screen and you're supposed to have the sensation. And I remember I got like so sick. I had to like sit on the ground. Oof. Um, yeah. And I know so, people but it, get vertigo and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Which I never, I never used to. And okay. So here we get some sexy time. Oh, Brian, the alien over there <laughs> getting, getting his game on him. When I was younger, too, because I'd seen Christine at a young age, because my dad was kind enough to edit out all the swear words from it, which oh. was pretty pretty cool. Because okay. I think he, you know, he he knew that I was slowly getting into Stephen King, but I wasn't able to like read it, the majority of it. So he like edited. Mm -hmm. it. I got I got the lead gal from that movie confused with Catherine Mary Stewart. Oh, Alexander they, Paul. Yeah, I don't know if I ever. I don't know if they really look alike or anything, necessarily. But I, for some reason, I always thought they were the same person when I was younger. They all well. They both had the big hair, the big '80s hair. Yeah. at the time. That, that's. Um, I I can I I never made that connection before, but I can I can see where you're going with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Alexander Paul, who's also she was eventually on Baywatch, but she was in American Flyers. Oh, okay. uh, with Kevin Costner, she was the, the the hippie hitchhiker that they pick up along the way for, before they're you know they're on their mm -hmm. big bike ride tour. Yeah, Christine was another one that I watched a lot. Sure, thanks to my dad. And it's been cool to talk to Keith Gordon about movies on the podcast, which hmm. I never thought would happen. But it's no. just one of those weird random things that just happened. 
Just like, weird, oh, cool. I mean, this whole thing is this weird full circle thing that, you know, 30, you know, five, 30, 35 plus years ago, you know, I never thought that the movie I couldn't get into twice because it was sold out. I'd be doing a commentary track for 35 <laughs> years later. Yep. And the same when you got to host the Back to the Future screening oh, and do yes. that Q&A. That's, that's surreal. That's still a highlight of my life. For sure. And still never got the damn photo that I took with that cast. Hmm. It's just a photo that's lost in time, and I, I, I regret it. Oh, they never sent time. it to me. Hmm. Yeah. Like tears and rain. <laughs> Good job hiding out, guys. This is really smart. Yeah, they do pick a good cave. So the, I should check this, but did the screenwriter do anything else? Oh, this? yeah. Oh, yeah. He actually directed oh. a movie. Let me check real quick because it's something I didn't Oh, you're going to look it up, huh? I didn't get my notes yeah. right for that part. Let me see. Yeah, he, he, he wrote and directed uh, something pretty infamous. My science project, huh? Uh, what? That's not that wasn't what I was referring to, but <laughs> what Theodore Rex? Uh huh. Ugh. I don't think I ever saw that. I never did. Wow, that's all he did in ten years, besides like a couple of episodes of TV and stuff. Hmm. One of the early examples, Theodore Rex, of a movie that just seemed to be on the schedule all the time, but it never came out, and then it was eventually just dumped on video. It was this big expensive project that, uh, you know, all we you know we kept hearing this story of Whoopi Goldberg as a cop and a you know has the dinosaur partner, and you know this, I mean even saying it today sounds you know <laughs> r- ridiculous, but there's you know a, it was but a it was real this... big cast for this movie like yeah Armin Mueller Stahl Bud Court Stephen McHattie Carol Kane Richard Roundtree wow what were you all doing. That's weird. I do love the beta, the beta unit just destroys yep. Peter Nelson's truck. You know, that's I mean that that's just double heroic right there. Just he you know, he saves the day. Oh, here's here's an example of Zero stupidity too. He just, yeah, just he fills assuming, in the, Yeah, just assuming yeah, that's what it was. You know, this is this is a few years before Crimson Tide, you know, he gets the message and he just decides to fill in the blanks himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it leads to a mutiny. <laughs> you know, so this is, um, you know, I don't know if uh, the, the screenwriters of Crimson Tide like this movie, but. A little disco ball on the. There you go. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want to hit right there. That's it. That's again, there's your there's your Death Star weakness. Mm hmm. And again, like a lot of people just thought, oh, you know, it wasn't really that challenging for them. They just did it, you know? It, it seems so mm-hmm. simple and easy. Oh, we just missed the line. Here we go. Hold on. Here we go. There it is. Yeah. That, and then again, nice little touch, sort of a classic, uh, you know, you know, World War II sort of homage with him having the, the photograph in this cockpit with him. 
a reminder of what he's fighting for, you know, because we, you know, we find out that Earth is on the, the death list as well. So, you know, it provides this further motivation that he's not just, uh, you know, doing this for the Rylands and these other colonies, but he's doing it for his home planet. So, mm-hmm. and Zer is going to get exposed real quick here. Now. It is funny that they are also scared of one last starfighter. <laughs> There's one. There's, there's one, one thing, and, yeah. and and this guy is just pissed. You said that one was dead. Seize him. And That's all it takes. Scepter. Yep. Yeah. But he does and escape, comes... as we come to see later on. Yeah, it's Which... it's, it's set up for a sequel, and maybe Norm is Norman Snow still alive? Mm, I think so. Maybe Zur Junior. <laughs> I'm assuming he wants to get his revenge. Yeah, it'll probably, yeah. Like the leader of Be- all this even says, Sir, escape. There's still danger. Right. At that point, I, I wonder if they were just hoping for a sequel. Well, I think, you know, anytime you have the opportunity with this kind of world building that, yeah. you know, there's the possibility. You want to leave, you kind of want to leave that open. Uh, and yeah, this is, I mean, this is. Yeah, you know, wishful thinking. So what? You know, I guess use the scepter at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, little little blood in the mouth there. That could have gotten a PG thirteen nowadays. Mm-hmm. He gets in the escape pod, and these these guys in the in in that command center too. They're about as worthless as the uh, uh, the image uh, people in Flash <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> You know, you feel you peel, peel, peel those glasses off and they, they all go, just fold. So I have a question. Uh, uh-huh. Were you aware that there is a musical? And it came out last... off-Broadway in October 2004. Based on the movie? Yes. I've I was not aware of this. Some of the soundtrack and it's awful. Zen the Zen. There's a. It's like what the no, hell? No, no. It's, it's no. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna send you the playlist. You gotta go through some oh, of the songs Jesus. and just torture yourself oh, for a little bit. Oh god, it's unreal. And it's done with a straight face. Starlight, it's not supposed to be amusing. Star bright. No, no, it's it's, it's done with a straight um, face. Yeah. Wow. You can find the original cast recording. Uh, and oddly enough, I think um, Lance Guest, he got to see it because he was playing Johnny Cash near mm. near near where they performed this musical. I forgot this is all played. great stuff here. Yeah. I, I love this entire dogfight sequence. I mean, it's, again, you know, people could look at this and criticize it and that, the, the classic criticism nowadays is like it was like watching someone else play a video game, um, which yeah. I, I'm sure both I'm sure both of us have said that at one point too, um, which is not the most fun in the world. I, I I will you know admit that. Oh, there have definitely been movies. I mean, certainly movies that have been based on video games. There's not very many certainly good ones. Yeah. And the. Uh... 
Death Blossom, which mm-hmm. uh, I believe actually Lance Guest got uh, a little, little, little nauseous from doing this little spinny thing. Oh here. yeah. Have you ever done one of those like uh, gyrotron things, mm. the kind of thing that the astronauts have done? No, I don't believe. Yeah, so. I don't think I can handle. I don't, that. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot like this. What he's, what he, yeah, that's. I've I've done it, and uh, it's 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 kind of fun at first, and then it's kind of like, mm, please stop this. That, well, and that's, that I mean, easy. again, they call that, you know, they call the Death Blossom a last strike weapon. Uh, and I'm assuming that means last strike that you're the last one left and there's no one from your fleet in your area. Because if you do that, you're probably yeah. going to take a few of them out, too. Exactly, yeah. Command ship. And we mentioned uh, that how the the Rylans was supposed to have that sort of benevolent look, and the the, the, the Kodan people were meant to invoke uh, Satan. Oh, okay. Actually, according according to Nick Castle, they you know they, they have that horns coming out of you know every side of their face, and you know they obviously they're they're cloaked in red and stuff. So uh, you know very you know again easy metaphors and whatnot, but you know to a kid you know that doesn't matter. It's crazy that the Gunstar was comprised of 750,000 polygons, which took coders three months to complete and put in a computer. It's That's twice as long as the shooting schedule for this, the, the principal it, photography of this. Yeah, it's wild. It yeah. really is. And they were probably like rendering on a, what, like two gigabyte yeah. system at that time? Probably even less, who knows? But love that love that shot too because I mean as a, as a gamer just you know anytime you get an opportunity to just fire randomly and just take out portions of anything mm-hmm. that just oh, yeah. you know that's just you know he's not shooting a specific target he's just firing at whatever can be hit at that point and these poor bastards this is a good quote coming up it is wait for it Very nice. Yeah. Puts on his monocle and delivers the line. Beautiful. Again, and Death that, Star. Oh, he saves up. the day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So there. You know, that's the actual planet. They they took out their base and all the gun stars and their defenses and whatnot. Uh, mm. But it seemed like an. I mean, if if we're dealing with you know general physics and whatnot, I mean, if they just were just launched asteroids at the planet, it should have caused some sort of chain reaction that would have wiped them all out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's the, if that's their <laughs> big move is just firing asteroids at people, you could take out a whole lot of planets with that if you get them past the you know the 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 window for the heat shield and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, prefer our... Centauri with uh, as the music man, not with these glowing eyes. <laughs> he gets he, he gets a he, he gets a lovely little reveal here. He yeah. pulls back and his hair is nice. Thought you were dead. <laughs> 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 
stop thinking. I won't bore you with the details. <laughs> and everybody loves Alex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of Rylos, they're hiding, hiding their heads. There, they're all. Yeah. They look like the the, uh, the the humanoids from the black hole. <laughs> Alex has found his purpose. So apparently, Will Wheaton was supposed to be um, Lewis's friend in this film, and he had his scenes cut. But I think at the end here, when everybody starts gathering around, there's like a brief, like you have blink and you'll miss it. Yes. He's there. Well, Maggie's got to make her big decision, and and this is you know I you know I, I appreciate this decision that Maggie has to make here because you know it it sounds like an excuse through the movie, but you know like what about Grams? You know that's it's yeah. not that easy to you know you know, leave your only family uh, behind, especially someone like Grams. You know by the time you know <laughs> if it was a real space movie by the time they got the rylos grams would be dead um so yeah, so it is quite a decision bring, this isn't interstellar another movie i wouldn't mind yes doing a commentary for in the future uh, yeah just because of how special it is and how much it's grown the more i watch it but uh yeah i just i love this idea of them going off into not the sunset together but you know yeah into the, a whole new universe. Wonder if that would be my reaction now. Like, all oh right, my god, we're being invaded. We're like, being invaded. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you know, but at that age, I had already seen War of the Worlds, and Ooh, you know, yeah. so I mean, being being invaded was not uh, not on my plate of things. I'm still of the contact mentality of. Them being nice. I hope, anyway. I'm more of a Carl Sagan, you know. Uh, well, you would think I would. Th I would think that they'd at least be curious. Yes. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't see. You know, another race coming to destroy to destroy us, unless you know they're Republicans. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if, if, if that's what they follow out there, then yeah, I can totally see that. But you know, other than that, I, I can imagine. I mean, if all the stories are true. Then they've just been coming here and exploring and checking us out and occasionally, you know, anal probing someone. You know, they're just, they're curious. Sure. And Peter Nelson's still looking for his truck. Poor guy. Where's your boyfriend? <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I'm realizing as you do a commentary you do it's, you have to talk as you're watching but part of you still just wants to watch <laughs> because you right, enjoy the yeah. movie so much well i think the best the, the best commentaries that's, that's the mode you're used to being in anyway is mainly just a passive watcher yeah and i, and I don't i don't mind someone stopping for a moment to hear a line or to to, to pay homage to a certain scene and just let something play out yeah uh, to me the best commentaries are the ones that you know have a sense of 
joy or wonder about the movie, you know, depending on, you know, who's doing the commentary or someone giving a lot of interesting side stories about it. Granny wielding the shotgun. <laughs> Granny wielding the shotgun. It, it would not be a trailer Will park. Wheaton. Would not be a trailer park without Wait, a shotgun. Is there Will, where's Will Wheaton? I don't see him. I, I, I know he's there, but he's like obscured, mm. I think. Yeah. There's never like a clear shot. No, that's not him. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. Poor mom, what is going on? I've been to another planet, mom. Monster. <laughs> trailer park also uh, trailer park also very racist apparently <laughs> a little maybe a, maybe a little bit no it's, it's a it's a nice uh diverse group there elvira mm. how do you do no. i do well <laughs> i think if anybody asked me that now no one ever says how do you do anyway but i was right. saying that Very large pleasure. <laughs> Careful, Griggs. <laughs> she saved is, the universe, everybody. This is played completely straight. I love uh, everyone. You know, everyone's got to play this their own way. And like, oh, what? Yep. I gotta go. So we we got ET, we got Starman, we got Last Starfighter. Where the you know you they 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 all leave in the end. That's true. Yeah. God, and they all have. Possibly all three would be in my top 20 favorite scores of all time. Like, mm, I love yeah. the scores so much to the point where I will tear up or get goosebumps when I hear them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, E.T. and Starman in particular. I mean, like sure. Craig Safin's score for Last Starfighter is a very underrated, underappreciated one from the 1980s. Definitely, um, it's 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 it, it it hits a lot of right notes, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but it's it's sort of it's like sort of heroic uh, melancholy store score that you're going to hear here is they, this like he she goes to him. I, I think is is a wonderful bit of music that is played throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all these movies obviously can go back to, to Close Encounters, clearly, where, you know, the father leaves and the aliens leave and everything. But, you know, E.T. is the one that really, you know, sparked the emotional husk in everybody and it just, it, you know, destroyed generations of people to this day. Uh, I think I see Will Wheaton standing there. If he's in those, like, pajamas. pajamas. Yeah. 
I wonder if that's him. Could be. It's got to be. It's the only other kid there. Yeah. Yeah, this would be a movie if they, like, if the composer did a live orchestra accompaniment. You know, like, they've been doing that mm-hmm. on and off, well, yeah. pre-pandemic, of course, but I I would definitely go and see that, to have that experience. It's funny because yeah. uh, before things really took a dark turn again here, um, since we're recording this in, like, mid to late November... I know that uh, a couple months ago, the the new 400 over here was giving you the option to rent the theater and bring your own Blu-ray just to watch on the big screen. And I was like, I was tempted. I was tempted to do that mm. for this. Well, this is something that, you know, we've, we're doing the, the series at Elk Grove that you've done a, a few with, with me. Uh, and we've been doing it for about five, almost six years now. That got interrupted. Uh, the last one we did was the night we found out Tom Hanks yeah. was infected. That was the last one we have done up to this point. This is a movie that has always been in the mix as far as the the, the potential rotation of uh, a, you know a classic from the 1980s that I'm pretty sure would draw a crowd, particularly in the summer. I believe mm-hmm. uh, w- w- with kids and whatnot. Th- this is a real. This is a nice shot too. Yeah, of the kids. With the, the comparison yeah. of the, seeing the gun star in real life and with the smoke behind them. That's this is a real nice way to no end kidding. the movie. Look to the stars. <laughs> and this score, so good from the star. From the star of the mobile home unit to the real ones. So it's a nice little image. I queued this up on um, on Amazon Prime, and guess what it says next up is Explorers. Explorers. <laughs> okay, so let's just do a no, let's, let's just do a commentary. <laughs> let's go right into right, it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun to do with Colin. I think. The three of us would have a blast. I think that. we'd have we'd have to do it with Colin. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we well, we, we should get because Colin there's three we... there's three kids in that movie, right? Yes, so, there are. Which I guess yes. I would be, I guess I would be River Phoenix because I'm kind of you'd, nerd. you'd be the nerdy one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's tough. I guess I see you as an Ethan Hawke. Hmm. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> In that movie, yeah, I could see that comparison. I, um, I, I you know, if, 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 we're, if we're gonna play that game, I mean, I certainly have the the dreamer approach that Ethan Hawke has in that movie, I suppose. Yeah, but we'd have to get get Colin's opinion because I don't know if he but I don't think, but I don't think I, any of us are the, the like the punk, right? You know, the third, you know, we're none of us are Jason Presson, really. True. I think we're we're all probably in some variation Ethan Hawke or River Phoenix. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. But, uh, no, like I said, everybody, this is a special movie. And every time I watch it, uh, I, I get the same feelings from it. And, you know, again, it was, it was just a regular staple in the household. One of those that if it was on cable, we'd watch it wherever, whatever oh. point it was, it was at. And, uh, well, it's a very special movie. 
Yeah, without question. And like I said, I think it's, you know, there are generations that come come back to, to see movies like this, guys like us who then try to pass it down to, you know, new generations and do screenings of it and things like that. You know, th- th- these, these are these are dream movies. These are, these are escapist movies, you know, built on big dreams, big ideas that, you know, I mean, if, if, if this movie inspires some kid to do some good in the world uh, or to write their own version of this type of story about, you know, a kid, you know, rising to the challenge and stuff like that, you know, these are all positives. And these, these are the great things about, movies like this that sometimes get forgotten in the sort of nostalgia boost that we've been that gets derided over the last decade or so (laughs) that you know people talk about these video game available from atari incorporated i don't think so no liars big fat liars um but anyway yeah uh but but no i mean i think that you know when you know it's not just nostalgia The, the smart people who look at these movies don't just look at it like, oh, I remember when, and I, you know, did I, you know, remember these lines and whatnot. It's not about that. It's a, there's a, there's a much greater force going on in this movie. No pun intended. Again. Yeah. No, definitely. And oh, I'm. There's another another shooting start, and the movie something else came back. Mm-hmm. No, I'm really grateful for Nick Castle and everybody in, involved with this film. And like I said, I think uh, I think the boy who could fly is really good. Um, it's a very underrated, out. very underrated film that people should check out. Uh, that uh, talked about uh, on an upcoming recent upcoming episode of Movie Madness. As a matter of fact, hmm. um, an old let's just say an old episode that's coming up very that's finally being released. <laughs> I'll is just that, say that. Is that the is that available? Uh, it is not. No, hmm. not on not on that format. Hmm. No. So uh, yeah, that was one of my choices. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think um, everybody should rush out and get the uh, Arrow Blu-ray of The Last Starfighter. There's some great behind-the-scenes. There's some great interviews, uh, good commentaries on there. You get a little bit of everything uh, on that package, and they did a great job with the transfer. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful-looking uh very much better than the 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 near uh, empty universal release. It's not, you know, I mean, it's got a few things on it. It was an anniversary edition Blu-ray, but this Arrow, you know, Arrow has become one of my favorite DVD Blu-ray companies. Uh, For sure, you know, not the, their 4K Flash Gordon is an epic set from 2020. And I don't want to end on this note necessarily, but the, I guess the trailer park and the store that Otis owned. It's called Rio Groceries, which is known as the filming location of The Last Starfighter. And that is out there somewhere in California. I don't know. I don't have the specific address, but I had just learned today that is also featured prominently in a very memorable scene in one of my least favorite movies of all time. This location was utilized in nothing Oh, I hate to say this movie out loud, but Devil's Rejects. <laughs> oh. One of my least favorite movies ever. Yeah. Same maybe filming my... location. Um, I believe it's the scene with, uh, oh God, the guy who plays the clown that just passed away. Hague. Yes, Sid Hague. Sid Hague. Uh, 
confronts uh, the kid and and uh, PJ Souls in in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the exact same spot. <sighs> I I put that garbage movie out of memory, like most of Rob Zombie's movies. So if that uh, offends someone, well, you know, whatever. I'm so glad that there are other people out there who agree with me. And when I hear that's 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 a whole other conversation. That there's no. there's active defenders and huge fans of his work out there. You know the shocks you, me. Well, do you know the, the difference between Michael Bay and Rob Zombie? Hmm. Uh, Michael Bay has made a good movie. That's true. Is it The yeah. Rock? Is that it? Yes. Yeah. That is that is the one. Okay. Yes. In my in my <laughs> in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would agree there yeah. too. We didn't we didn't mention it during the commentary, but you know the the one of the ways that they were trying to separate themselves from the Spielberg Lucas influence of the time, and why they said it in a trailer home, and it's actually it's it's a it's a good it, it's a really smart leap was to keep the movie away from the suburbs because all yeah. those Spielberg movies were being set uh, Close Encounters and ET Poltergeist even were all about you know science fiction and horror in the suburbs and. Stuff and setting the film in a trailer park. There's there's a more intimate setting. You know, everyone sort of knew one another there, and it, it you know it, it, it's 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 a it's a good switch. It's a smart switch Agreed. for this particular movie. Yeah, like I said, I, I I like the sense of community and the fact that everybody cares about everybody. It seems like there is mm-hmm. very very nice, very nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Eric, for joining me for this. It's, it's kind of cool to like watch a movie together. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's something we haven't had a chance to do for some time in, in the, yeah. the world that we live in currently. But it's amazing how the time just kind of flew, too. Just No kidding. Talking about all this stuff. And, yeah, it was great to, to rehash these memories. And, yeah, it's a movie I never – I still, you know, I will have to get that screening going because it's a movie that I still, to this day, have never seen in a theater. Yes, and I, and I want to as well, yeah. for very much so. Like, uh, I remember I was talking to uh, Ryan, who owns the music box, you know, because before this whole pandemic mess happened, I said, oh, it just let me have the opportunity to get Keith Gordon here. We'll do an amazing showing of Christine, and I'll host the Q&A. And he was all for mm-hmm. it. It was going to be my first Q&A, and I thought it would be perfect. And I also mentioned telling him uh, it would be great if at some point in the future, I don't know if they would draw as big of a crowd, but obviously I would love to host the screening of Pump Up the Volume and The Last Starfighter. <laughs> and he was the hell of- <laughs> he was open to you know, to that happening, but... I think I think he was mostly excited about Christine because of you know having it around October maybe for horror season and I certainly mean, you know but anyway we'll see what the future holds let's hope for the best who knows maybe we'll be uh, you know if things really take a toll we'll figure out how to jump into some wormhole and end up in a whole you know other <laughs> universe to yeah. save someone, humanity someone out there. Someone out there hopefully is knocking books off our bookshelves as we speak and uh, has figured out the key to save Earth. Oh, that'd be so cool if it was my dad. (laughs) Wouldn't it, though? That that would be something. He knocks off notes. Actually, instead of books, it's um, a Blu-ray of The Last Starfighter. It just falls to the the ground. He just keeps knocking McConaughey movies off your shelf. He's like, get the... (laughs) 
get the points on. Yeah, right. Well, man, this was great. Uh, thank you for joining me, Eric. If people really love what you had to say, and they should, where can they follow you and more of your work? Well, if you go to uh, the Now Play Network, uh, you go over, hop on over to the Movie Madness uh, podcast where. Uh, you can hear me talking about Blu-rays, and now uh, we've uh, brought over the sort of our WGN uh, radio segment that we had been doing for two decades. Uh, Steve Procopi and I are doing that every week now, so we're reviewing new movies every week. Uh, and, uh, you know, go over to efilmcritic.com. The, the podcasts are linked there, uh, and my appearances on uh, Business First AM every week talking about movies and money, even though there's not as many movies to talk about in theaters these days, still talking about that. So those are the, the hot places to find me at the moment. And you'll definitely join me and Colin next year, likely to be the first time we do it remotely, sadly, but uh, we'll be talking about the films of uh, 1991. Very much looking forward to that. I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a better year than people give it credit for, at least in my mind. I think I, you're I right. Think. <laughs> I think you're right. And, uh, yeah, I usually around winter break is when I start binging on some 91 titles. So that's that's what I'm going to get going with and start making my list of rewatches for that. So I'm always excited. Sad we won't be able to do it in person more than likely, but we'll still have a great time. Uh, we will return with... Possibly another bonus commentary next month. I'm thinking of doing these on a monthly basis. It might be my first solo commentary track, but mm. if I can get a guest, it, it might happen. Uh, it depends on how busy he is. He's actually working a lot lately. Um, he's the director of Cursed Films on Shudder. Uh, oh. Jay Cheel, really great guy, a really great podcast host. I was hoping to talk with him we'll see how busy he is but it's for a film that i know eric is not crazy about and i want to talk about another film a gateway into horror if you will called the gate mm, yeah <laughs> i that, that that's one of those movies that i wish i liked more always have um and i, I still remember seeing the trailer at the Woodfield one and two yeah, for that trailer. movie. And I'm good like, trailer. that's a good, that's a good trailer. I want to see that movie. And then I saw that movie and I was like, Oh yeah, I still bummer. love it. You know? Yeah. Be a nice Christmas present if I can get it done, but I'm excited. Sure. I'm looking forward to it until next time. Just uh, visit directors club podcast.com or now playing Jim over on letterboxd. Uh, thanks again, Eric. This was a great time. Really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Remember if, uh, if that's what you think, then that's all you'll ever be. <laughs> Cheers. Gonna, Thank you. Gonna be a sparkling day. Uh-huh.